Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Hey, welcome again to Real Life. And give it up for Brian, man. He got a little crazy up there. I loved it. The spiritual gift of uh, remembering is something I always forget. So, man, it's so hard to do that first time. You're like, man, well, I'm going somewhere. Where am I going, you know? But uh, it was awesome. So, I mean, I appreciate Brian filling in for Barry. Barry's out in Colorado having so much fun uh, mountain biking. He uh, just prayed didn't break down the way back. He broke down last time. So, anyway, we love that guy. Um, you know, Lyman, I call it Lemon after he broke down there because he uh, had to replace his engine. But, anyway, I'm excited for what guys doing here at Real Life. Uh, man, I want to say thank you for all the love and support and encouragement. Uh, we had a little baby girl, baby Emery Renee, uh, last Sunday. So, it's super exciting. we got some pictures up here. So, Jack sharing some love. Mommy's doing great. Baby's awesome. Uh, you know, Jack, man, he hasn't taken a nap since. He's got uh, the fear of missing out going on, you know? So he's just a little crazy right now. But he's only kicked Emory in the head a few times, so we're doing good, you know what I mean? Just the first week. And you can pray for us, because I don't know if you can't see in the picture, but she's got a lot of red hair. <laughs> so you can pray that just turns a strawberry blonde, you know, kind of thing. My brother, he had red hair. He's a little fiery streaking and a little anger management issues. So, uh, Anyway, we're going to figure that out, but it's so awesome to uh, just have another uh, play at the table, and uh, it's been an awesome week, very encouraging, and I just want to, if anybody asks, I want somebody, I don't know Renee's in the house, but uh, if you see Renee Robinson on Dream Team, let her know we named the baby's middle name after her. It had nothing to do about my mom's, or, or Diane's middle name, or her mom's middle name being Renee at all. Just just give her the vibe and the glory on that, just make her feel good, so just keep that lie moving a little bit farther down the road, so anyway, feel pretty blessed, um, exciting week. Crazy week, but exciting week. So I'm sure we'll go back to normal next week, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Come on, guys. Stay positive. There you go. Now you're in this tough question, like, do you try for three or do you end up like the Holcombs and get four or the Cubblies, you know? Like, what do we do? What do we do? Don't do it. <laughs> There's a story there. We'll have you preach next time on that one. I like that. I believe in you. There's so, so many puns in this church. I love it. Well, we start a new series today called I Believe in You, and this whole series is really built on the idea of developing relationships in your life where people can speak into you, shape your life, and help you pour into the next generation. It's so important in our lives not to kind of do the solo flight, uh, not to do life alone, but really to get together and do life together to help you to the next step. And so I'm excited, uh, just going to jump into this next week to kind of tell you about a little teaser what's going on, but we're doing Next Generation Sunday. So next Sunday, we're going to celebrate our kids, we're going to celebrate our teenagers, and all the guys doing inside their lives are going to be stories, testimonies. You're going to hear from some of the leaders and really what God's doing because we ultimately want our church to know and the young people in our church to know that we believe in them, amen? That we're not, we're not, we're not just the leaders up here on stage, we're not just like the, the old people and the adults, but the young people are making a difference to the cause of Christ. And so I want to encourage you to come out, bring your family. It's going to be an awesome week. You're not going to miss it to see what God is doing in the lives of people. So today we're going to jump into part one of I Believe in You. So I'm just curious. I like that. God? <laughs> I like that. I like that. So I'm curious. So how many parents in the house? How many parents? All right. How many uh, are, have a family, but you're not, you don't have kids yet? Like, hey, I want to have kids one day, but we're not quite there yet. Anybody like that? Nobody. They're like, I don't want kids. Forget that. Anybody got kids and want to trade them for new kids? <laughs> Hope your kids aren't sitting next to you. Oh, look at this. Wow. Now's your chance. We're going to do a little swap and shop up here. Switch your kids out. 
love you guys, man. Some of you guys have like four plus kids, you know, it's like there's a lot of love in the family. Like I, I don't really love children that much, much, but I love my wife a lot, like so much. We just keep reproducing anybody like that, like four plus kids. I guess for real, you know, I'm not going to mention anybody about that, but uh, I know the Holcombs got four and the Cubbleys, and I'm not going to talk about the Taylor family like this. <laughs> Andrew's like, man, you know, your kids are close to age. Some of our kids in our family, I'm like, and are they ever not going to be <laughs> like, when's that not going to happen? There's so many kids reproducing there. But anyway, it's got, I don't know what's happening here, but anyway, how do you define success? So you think about your kids, you think about the future, next generation. How do you find success in raising the next generation? Just fast forward like two years, five years, maybe real long. Think like 10, 15, 20 years. Like what is success? Like what's it like? Like what's it look like? Like practically, how would you define that in your terms, what it looked like? And so I believe culture defines success pretty clearly. If you're taking notes, you'll find this definition. But culture says success is raising well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. Well-rounded, well-educated happy kids. That's what the culture would say. And I don't know if you agree with that. You think the culture says that or not. Who'd say that? That sounds about right. That's kind of the culture out there. That's really what they're saying, right? Be well-rounded in everything. Have a great education. Hey, get a good job. Have better, bigger things than I did. It's going to be great. You'll be successful. And so I was going to take a step back and they look at this definition. And there's really nothing wrong with any of this definition. So just look at parts of it. So to be well-rounded, it's awesome. I believe in what being well-rounded is great to uh, have different perspectives and be able to think through situations and kind of a grasp on how to deal with the EQ, emotional intelligence, right? Like that's a huge factor. And so to be well-rounded is awesome. But I know when you're hiring, like at least like in church world, a lot of businesses, you want exceptional things, right? It's like somebody's good at like really specific things. You're like, man, it's great when you're great at some really specific area to jump on the team and help the team out. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being well-educated. I mean, I believe in education. Uh, I probably was like over the top crazy. I graduated almost top of my class in high school, top of my class in college, like just way too over the top, right? Like some of you guys are like, dude, this guy's a nut job. I'm not going to come back. <laughs> this guy's nerdville, right? So I love education. Obviously, you're not going to fall apart on that, but you know, it's not, not the end of the world, right? I know a lot of educated people that uh, are really smart, but make really bad choices, right? Uh, don't really have the character to kind of lead, don't really have the competence. They don't really have even the right answers sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with being well-educated or nothing wrong with being happy. Uh, I love happiness. You know, happy, I wish everybody would be happy, but it just doesn't work because happiness is based on your happenings. And your happenings aren't always good, right? Sometimes the circumstances of our life are kind of tragic and they're tough. And your happiness is determined by all this outward stuff. But I believe when you follow Jesus, there's something inside of us. There's a joy that comes through. Even though your circumstances are falling apart, when you're following God, you can have a joy that comes beyond understanding. Amen? And so today, the culture says, hey, raise your kid, man, be well-rounded, be well-educated, have a happy kid, basically get a good job, have a nice house, and your life's going to be better than my life. But I would just challenge you a little bit, just think through maybe uh, this verse that Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26, and it just contrasts this idea. It says this, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? What good would it be if your kids grow up and have bigger, better, more comfortable life than you, but... Hey, you lose your own soul. What good is it to have these dreams and these aspirations if we forget the main thing? And that's why I believe it's so important. I'd argue all day that success is so much more than really what our culture says for our kids. Amen. That success is grounded in imparting spiritual life into the next generation. It's imparting the spiritual truth of Jesus. What good would it be if your kids made millions of dollars yet didn't know Jesus? What good would it be? So Dan talked about what it looks like, how to impart spiritual life into the next generation. I believe there's an incredible verse in the Bible that encapsulates really the essence of what it means to impart spiritual life down into the next generation. It says in Psalm 71, 18, it says, even when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me. This is David talking. He's saying, hey, when I get old, hey, give me more days, God. Make my life longer. Why is he want his life longer? So I can declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. And this is so powerful. 
you see David who's experienced the power of God saying, God, give me more time because there's people behind me that don't know the glory that I've experienced from you. They don't know your power. They don't know your might. There's people waiting in line back here that need to know you. So God, just give me more time. Just give me more time so I can show them the way. God, I've experienced something they don't know yet. I believe there's something great inside this generation back here, but they just haven't experienced yet. No one's really shown them who you are. So God, just give me more time in my life so I can lead the next generation. I want them to experience your power and your might. I want them to know how good you are. I believe that fruit grows best on other people's trees, amen? That's not just what we influence. It's what other people influence through the influence that we have. And the greatest mark of a leader is really the producing other leaders, amen? And so as a parent, as a leader of the generation, I hope you see yourself as a leader of the next generation. Even if you don't have kids, you can lead the next generation. I have kids for a long time. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And I get to speak into the voices of the next generation. I believe God has something great for this next generation. So the greatest calling is to impart spiritual life into that generation. It's not just to raise well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. I think those are all great goals. But to impart spiritual life in the next generation. I believe we're called to unleash single-minded Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers into the world. Amen. We're called to change the world through our children, through the next generation, to unleash single-minded, Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers in the name of Jesus. We don't need to protect our kids under our wings. Jesus has got that, right? We're going to send them out as Jesus sent them out. I hope that people come to our church and the next generation discovers real life and purpose and follows that their entire life. They live it out on mission. They have faith to live it out for Christ, and they're Christ-centered. So they're not worried about what their friends are saying at school. They're not worried what the world is saying on social media. They're not worried what all the news is saying. They're just saying, hey, Christ said this about my life. My life is anchored in the Word of God. I know who I am today, amen? I'm not worried about all this other stuff around me because God has a purpose for my life. I know him because I know his Word, and I hope your prayers is to say, oh, God, help my days to be long. Help my days to be long so I can impart. I want my life to pass without passing on the greatest thing in my life, and that's Jesus to the next generation. God, use me to help this generation go further, farther, and faster than I did. Man, that's a powerful prayer, isn't it? You can see David back there. God, if you use anybody, use me. Use me. I love it when you get older people into youth ministry and helping out with youth kids. There's so much you guys have you don't know you have that you can impart to the next generation. Just the fact you're faithful to God and you have money. <laughs> the most challenging thing to me as a teenager but you guys can do it. If you think we thought we had money, but now we know you just don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? But you can follow God and you can be an example. I can tell you what, there's so many people in my life that have spoken to me and challenged me in so many ways. And I know you're like thinking, like, hey, pause, time out, man. I came here to kind of get like spiritual, like a you know, pound the bag. Like I just came to church, man. I got soccer practice after this. You're like, you're talking some crazy stuff. I'm just trying to not go to McDonald's five times this week and get that soda. Their soda is so good. McDonald's soda. Who likes McDonald's soda? Don't lie. I know you don't like soda, but you like McDonald's soda. Extra sugar, you know what I'm saying? There's something in that. I'm just trying to make it through the day, man. I'm telling you, this is serious stuff. It's a pretty heavy calling, right? But I believe God has set a high standard, and God wants us to follow it, amen? I believe God has something for your life and for the next generation. I just want to show you a picture, and this may be just bring it home, why this is so important, why I'm passionate about it. So this is uh, our four-generation picture here, I guess, fourth generation. Um, we took this on Friday. And so you can start generation one. This is my uh, grandpa. Grandpa Jack, you know where the, my, my boy gets his name, right? So he's 96, World War II veteran, fought in uh, the Pacific, Pacific. He's a Marine. Uh, he retired before I was born, believe that or not. Um, so he's pretty much uh, been, been working ever since, super hard worker, amazing. He's actually going to build a deck in a couple weeks, believe that or not, 96. So if you feel like you can't get out of bed in the morning, just remember my grandpa, all right? <laughs> then you got second generation, you got my dad over there on the left, and he's Mr. Smiley, that's awesome. 
They call Mr. Smiley at work, but it's for different reasons. But if you know my dad, you'll know that joke. And then, then you got third generation me, all right? And then you got my, my boy Jack there and then little Emery. And, and so four generations. And I just want to challenge you, like, what do you pass down through the generations? Like, this could be your family, right? I mean, it's hard to get a fourth generation photo, but this could be your family. And I can go through this picture and I can say, hey, what's our family about? And I'll tell you, our family is about hard work. <laughs> I know that much. Like, my, my grandpa's a hard worker. My dad, man, he's a hard worker. He puts me to shame. I know I work pretty hard, at least compared to a lot of people. I get up and go, and, you know, I'm sorry for Jack, but you're going to be a hard worker, right? <laughs> I'm just going to pass that on. It's going to be what it is. You're going to just keep working hard. I can look at this sarcasm, right? Like, we imparted sarcasm down to anybody like that. I got sarcastic family. Just kind of generationally go down. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys, you, you see your family. Like, for us, like, we knew how to use tools growing up. Like, it's just what it was. Like, you know, Jack's favorite word is saw. Saw. So it doesn't matter, towel saw, circular saw, table saw, hand saw, hacksaw. It don't matter what saw it is. He wants to just play with a saw. I'm like, cool, man, love it. Like, I'm, I told him, I said, you can have my tools, Jack. I'm going to donate them to you right now. It's just Jack saw. It's just used for everybody. Like, he didn't quite know, get that yet. But he's addicted to tools already. You know, it's like that's just something we impart to our kids, like just who we are. And I look at this picture, and I think, man, what, what, what can I do better? Like, what's my responsibility? Like, what, what am I going to pass on to my kids? Like, what, what, what am I going to keep? What am I going to cut? Like, what am I going to add? Like, what am I missing? And then for, for me, like, I didn't have, like, that spiritual impartation of anything. Like, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't go to church. Matter of fact, I thought it was a joke to go to church. Like, it was like, weak-minded people went to church. Why would you go to church? Like, that's like kind of a crutch. Like, why would you do that, right? Until high school when I met Jesus. <laughs> so I'm, like, the first-generation Christian out of this picture. And I, so I'm looking at this picture and going, man, what am I going to do different for my kids that didn't happen in my life? And I'm not blaming anybody. But I'm just going to make my life better, make my kids' lives better. What's that look like, right? Like I'm going to impart some spiritual truth. I'm going to do some things differently than my family did. I'm going to show them something that's maybe a better way. There's a way that God wants us to live. And I like all work, working great, work hard, sarcasm. All this stuff is good stuff, right? I'm not going to lose this stuff. But I'm going to add on the most important thing, which is Jesus. Amen? And so for you guys, you might be sitting here going, man, you're asking me to do crazy stuff. Like, i got to change how I live, like, my life. Like, that's crazy. Like, I do day-to-day everything. I'm not really going to change all this stuff. But you're saying I should live differently for my kids so we can impart spiritual truth? Like, what's that even look like? And before we jump into it, I just want to tell you, you can do this. Like, I believe in you. Amen? I believe you can do this. More importantly, I know God believes in you. And God is going to give you everything you need to accomplish everything he's called you to do. Amen? He's going to give you everything. He's going to help you with this really important, maybe the most important calling in your life to help the next generation follow Jesus well. And so today I want to show you very simply, and I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but very simply some practical things that will work with the Spirit of God to impart spiritual life into the next generation. This is going to be found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And so we're going to start in verse 4 and just read a little passage. I'm going to pull out some truths, three little truths out of it. So first thing, we're just read the passage. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It says, Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. This is important. These commandments that I give you today are upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. So I'm going to give you this truth, and I want you to impress this. And we're going to talk about what that means, but impress this on your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home, and you walk along the road, and you lay down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols in your hands and bind them to your foreheads, and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So we're going to look at three simple truths out of here, and I think it's a super practical message to really help you, inspire you, impart spiritual life in the next generation. The first thing is this. I think we're called to enlist supporting voices. We're called to enlist supporting voices to help us. Parents, I don't know where you're at, but your voice is the most important voice in your house. Amen? And it's always going to be the most important voice in your house. But I just want to encourage you, it can't be the only voice. It just can't be the only voice. 
Like, it's so easy to think, like, man, the kids aren't listening to me. They're not listening to me. It's listening to me. It's like there's a whole world around you that's speaking to them. And you have to enlist other voices to help you raise the next generation. It says right there in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it says, Oh, hear, O Israel. Hear, Israel. Hear, he didn't say hear parents or hear mom or hear dad or hear immediate family. It says hear, Israel. Hey, nation. I want you to raise your kids well, nation. You might even say, hey, church. It's your responsibility to make sure this next generation is following Jesus. Amen. It's not just the parents, it's, it's the whole church, it's your whole family. In the Old Testament, the family unit wasn't just a mom and dad and some kids at home, all right? It was, it was, they all lived together. So you got the grandparents and the parents and the kids, all their spouses, and you got all the workers. You might have 80 people live in this house. It was all the responsibility, pulling the same direction to have supporting vo- voices in their family. You know, all of the Bible you see enlisting voices, or spiritual voices, uh, and voices of encouragement, all of the Bible. And you think of uh, Timothy, right? He's got his mom, Eunice, and his grandma, Lois, which is really cool that, like, the names in the Bible for old people are still, like, old people names, you know? It's kind of crazy. And if there's any Loises or, like, Eunice's out here and young, I'm, I'm sorry I offended you. We still love you. Hope you come back. But Paul shows up, right? They enlist this voice of a godly man named Paul. So here's Timothy, like, getting trained by Paul of how to follow God. And I'm pretty sure some of the stuff that, like, his grandma said sound a little different from Paul, right? Like, let no man despise thy youth, Timothy. And then Paul's like, hey, don't, anybody, you're not too young. Don't let me despise your youth. Let's go. Like, totally different, right? Like, you need to list out. Somebody's going to put that in a clip and play that over like a, like a vine, right? Like, it's going to go around and around. Got it. <laughs> I love it. I'm not going to do that again, but that was free. But you list other spiritual voices. You need to list voices into your family. You know, I, as a parent, I don't know if you've been a parent, but, man, you say something 10,000 times, and they just don't do it. It's like, whoosh. I call it frontal lobe, like the front of the teenage brain is not connected to the back of the brain. And you say it over and over again. And then one outside influence, just randomly, like one day, maybe at a camp or like just somebody they meet, says that thing. And like, dude, this is what is gospel. This is true. I know I should do this. Blah, blah. And you're like, I've been saying that five years, you know. You're like, what is wrong? What's wrong with you? But that's why you, that's why you recruit other people, right? And you turn, when, you're, when your teenager gets 14 or 15, you have to have outside voices. I promise you, you cannot do it with outside influences affirming what you're modeling is actually true because you're just like that old parent right like you got other people in your life they're going hey this is right what they're saying is true and so we recruit people we had teenagers in our house we had foster daughters we recruit people outside outside our family inside our church had the faith and they're pointing people the right direction they may not listen to them or follow them all the time but they would say hey you know what that's that you should be doing that they'll never say sean told me to tell you this but i did tell them this other you know <laughs> like that's we got some problems here and they'll sit down and we'll, we'll kind of like swap the kids out a little bit and say hey i'll talk to your kids how's that going and and just give them some spiritual advice and help them to the next step and i, I think as a youth pastor i was a youth pastor for 10 years and and i think so many times you just don't really realize the power of an outside voice and that's what's so cool about having a having a youth group like real life real life youth uh, I'm a youth pastor. So many times I have confidential conversations, but I always point to the parents and get the parents involved. But so many times they just confide in me, like, he believes in me, you know? But the parents believe in you too. They're just a little, a little ashamed to talk to you yet, right? And so I had this girl in our youth ministry, and she was a, she was a church-going kid. She was there every single week, like clockwork, you know? Like super faithful, super smart. I mean, well-rounded, well-educated, I mean, happy kid. For all from the outside, you're thinking, man, this kid's got all together. But we didn't know if she had a problem. She would, she would actually just take pills and pop pills, right? Just from their parents' stuff. And she did it for years and years and years. Nobody knew she had this addiction, but we were super close to her. But she never opened up to us. And one day, we find out that her best friend had taken too many pills, is in the hospital, and her liver shut down, and she is going to die. And so she visits her friend in the hospital, no joke, and sits with her as she passes away. And all of a sudden, her eyes are open that, man, this is not a joke. Like, this isn't how I should live my life. But now she's addicted, and she's stuck in this cycle over and over again. She's been it for years and years and years. And so she came to us 
25-year-old youth pastor, right? Comes to me, my wife, hey, I'm struggling. Here's what I'm doing. Doing. I'm going through all this struggle and this pain. This is why I'm doing it. So we sit down with her. We meet with her. We coach her. We love on her. And she gives me this bottle one day, which I'm going to try in my back pocket. It's a weird place to put a bottle. But she gives me this bottle. She says, hey, I dumped all of my pills in the toilet. I'm done with it. And if you knew this girl today, you would never think in a million years that she had this addiction. And I said, hey, you need to talk to your parents. Oh, I don't want to talk to my parents. I don't talk to my hey, you need to go talk to your parents. I don't talk to parents. You need to talk to your parents. Look, I'm going to talk to your parents. You're going to go with me or not, but we're going to talk to your parents. And she's like, okay, okay. And she talks to her parents. Her parents loved her. She was so worried about talking to her parents, but so important to have outside supporting voices, amen? Like, you don't know the difference you're going to make one day. You don't. I had no idea. Like, of all the kids in the youth ministry, I thought, no, not her. And I've learned never to think that because you never know what somebody's going through. And for some of us, we have these things in our life. We have these problems. But people would help us if we have supporting voices, right? And we list other people to help us through these different struggles and different pains in our life. And so each of us needs supporting voices. Help somebody out. You're a neighbor. You have neighborhood kids, and you're like, get off my lawn, <laughs> you know? But instead, you'd be like, hey, come here. Hey, I want to tell you something, man. God's good. You, you fight your family church sometime. Come over and have a picnic, you know, get your friends over, whatever. Like, have a good time. Uh, maybe you're, you're friends. Maybe, you have, maybe you're coaching somewhere. I love it. Some of you guys coach teams and you use it as a platform to help people follow Jesus. What incredible ministry that is. You know what's cool in our city or in our county, really, is that big brother, big sister came down here. And you can be a big, and if you need to be a big, talk to Dana over there. Wave your hand. I know you're, I just gave you a big promo shout out to Dana. I'm like, yes. All right. But you can be a big for somebody. There's people looking for mentors. There's people looking for people to speak in their life and support them and help them. You can show up, eat a meal with them, be a mealtime buddy, just make a difference in their life. It's important to do that. People need a spiritual coach, a spiritual voice. I mean, we believe in supporting voices so much here at Real Life. We have a group called the Dream Team. They're a group of people that serve all the stuff that happens in our church. We have about 100 people on this team, just under 100 people. We believe in it so much. We create a ministry called Real Life United. This ministry is made to connect other people to somebody else so they have a supporting voice in their life. And I think about this, like, when I think about why is it important to have these things? Like, why, if you're on the Dream Team, I'm just going to talk to you for a second. But why is it important to be a part of Real Life United? Why, what's the big catch in this whole thing? Like, I know I need connection, but why should I really do it? And the question I'm going to ask is a question that somebody asked me one time, and I think it's really, really important, is this. How long do you want to make an impact? Like, how long do you want to make an impact? Is, is what you're doing in life, is it important enough to be a marathon, or is it just going to be a sprint? And as a church planner, we started this church and said, hey, uh, yeah, Sean, you're really doing a lot of things really quickly, and you're moving really fast, and you're not going to slow down, you're going to get burned out, so you guess this is a marathon, bro. You're, oh, okay. Like, I was telling me, somebody got to help me set a pace, you know? I don't know if you've ever ran anything before, like I did a half marathon, and I'm going to tell you something, I ran at the wrong pace. <laughs> Anybody done that before? You start out like, I'm going to run a seven-minute mile for, you know, 13 miles, and I realized I was more like an eight-and-a-half-minute-mile guy. Like, something went down on me. Like, I just ain't at work, you know? And so about the eighth mile, I'm, like, sucking wind, and people are passing me the whole time. I finally passed the finish line. I thought I was going to die. Here comes the Kenyans, you know? They ran the full marathon. I ran the half marathon. They're like, hey, what's up, man? What's for lunch? I'm like, <gasps> And Diane came up to me. She's like, Shh. I swear, like, I was so out of it. Like, why did I do this? Torture. I should have ran at the eight and a half mile pace and been happy, but I ran at the seven mile pace. My point is, is that ministry, what you're doing is so important. It needs to be a marathon. You got to go together. There's an old African proverb that says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Amen. Like, you got to get together. You're not going to make it. It's too much stress, too much pressure. You're going to talk yourself out of something great for God. There's something great inside you. Somebody's got to help you get there. So dream team, the question is, how far do you want to go today? How far? Is this church going to go like two years? I mean, we're almost one year, which is awesome, right? We'll go two years, 10 years, 
20 years? Like, what's our legacy going to be? I promise you, if you think for the long haul, you got to get connected. you got to unite together. As a family, how far do you want your family to go? You don't accidentally have a harvest, amen? You don't wake up one day and go, whoa, harvest. you got to work at it. you got to get people enlisted on the team. How far do you want your kids to go? How far do you want the next generation to go? You might not be your kids, just behind you. Like, man, i got to give this generation where they go. I mean, we're called to impart spiritual life into the next generation. We've got to enlist spiritual voices to help us. Second thing is this, to impart spiritual life, we've got to raise the vision of what the next generation can do. I mean, I think this is so important. It says in Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, love the Lord God with some of your heart and some of your soul and some of your strength. Amen? Amen. Did I get that wrong? I don't know if I got that wrong. I mean, look at the standards here. To love the Lord God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And that's 100% all in, amen? Like, you got to commit. And to commit, I mean, it's not like a low expectation, like, hey, come when you can, or like, just get in, you know, be good with God. It's like all in, 100%, all of you, 100%. There's no, not 1%, not one hidden key, not one locked door for Jesus. It's all in. And that's the expectation God has on our life. And so we got to raise the expectation. We got to raise the vision of this generation. I say this, rarely will people rise above your expectation. And if they do, you're going to hire them. But rarely does somebody rise above your expectation. And I believe this about this. So many people expect nothing from this generation. There are so many people that bag on this generation that expect nothing. They don't even coach the generation they're complaining about. I don't know if you've experienced that at all. Uh, I used to run a business, and you, know, you have business people, and they're like, man, this generation, this and this and this and this and this. And there's like so many people don't expect anything out of it. I mean, am I talking to somebody today? I know they're out there, right? It's, I know it's voice one. There's one person, right? There's one person. But think about this. Jesus entrusted the gospel to a group of teenagers, fishermen, not educated people, fishermen. He entrusted the gospel to a group of teenagers. Matter of fact, there's 12 of them. 11 of them, 11 of them were teenagers. One was an adult, Peter. He actually paid the temple tax with Jesus. So really, he was a, Jesus was the first youth pastor, amen? He really was. The first youth pastor, he had 12, 12 youth kids, okay? One really bad kid named Judas and one adult sponsor named Peter. I mean, that's pretty much what it came down to. That's how Jesus started the church. So, like, that's what we're going to do. And so for us, like, we're going to believe in the next generation because Jesus believes in the next generation. He had a huge vision and huge expectation. Even though those fishermen didn't have a whole lot of education, they were memorizing the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible as a Hebrew boy. Like, word for word, not like the names of the Bible. Like, most of us can't even do the first five, like, one of the first five books. But they memorize every word of the first five books. That's incredible. And think about Jesus trusting the church to these disciples and say, hey, I'm Peter, I'm going to launch this church. He's going to preach on the day of Pentecost. There are 3,000 people getting saved. The church is going to take off because of you, Peter. Is that going to happen? That's crazy. Trust it. The Bible says, you can take up your cross and follow me. Lay down your life. You're going to follow Jesus. Like Jesus sets this expectations super high to follow him, and he expects so much out of us. He wants so much for us because he believes in us. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a movement that's happening in the church across the United States and a lot here in Kansas City. There's a church planting movement that's led by millennials. Like I used to think like millennials aren't doing anything. Millennials are leading the church, but I'll tell you the key, the key ingredient. The key ingredient is they have spiritual fathers and mothers that pour into their life. That is the key ingredient. Matter of fact, I'd say it's the missing ingredient of the church today. They have people pouring lives up, like these people are great. Is they have people, great people behind them that are willing to put them on their shoulders and say, hey, I believe in you, son. Like God can do something. There's something in you that you haven't tapped into yet that God can do through your life. Like, come on, follow me. Let's do this together. I will help you. I believe in you. I'm going to build a ceiling. I want to put you on my shoulders. I want you to go further, farther, and faster than I did. Man, this is my experience. This is my experience. We would not have this church today if it wasn't for the older generation believing in my generation. There's so many people I'm thankful for that stepped into my life and said, hey, I see something new. You probably don't see in yourself yet. There's something in your life. God is going to do something. It's not about you, son. It's about Jesus. 
Like, don't worry about what people think and do what God's calling you to do. There's so much that people invested in me because they believed in me. So I'm gonna encourage you. Can we believe in the next generation? Can we say yes and say, man, God's got something for them. God wants them. We got the keys coming in. The spirit of God's dropping down right now. What's going over there? Man, but we gotta raise the vision for the next generation. So how can you increase the vision for the next generation? I'd say simply, man, tell them they can do something significant. Like, don't squander that. Like, there's, there's like 16-year-old girls that write books, you know? It's like, you're like, I wanna preach. You're nine years old. You can't preach. You can preach. Go write your first sermon, dude. We may not be up here quite yet, but you can preach. You can get it done. I'll take it. Some of probably better than my message. You come up here and preach. Like, you can do it. Like, tell them they can do something. Raise the expectation in their life. I mean, have them start saving money. Can you believe a teenager saving money? You're like, what? There's no way that burns a hole in the pocket. I'm gonna tell you something. There's a guy in my life that told me to invest money when I was 18 and start investing every year at 18 and start giving money back to investments in retirement. Because 18 years old, because somebody believed in me and said, hey, look, there's a, better, there's a better way of doing this, man. Like, you're spending everything. Like, you're just wasting this. Like, invest it. I'm like, what? Invest it? I don't know what you're talking about. Like, well, we'll do that, you know? Because somebody believed in me. Somebody said, hey, look, there's a better way of doing this. And you can do that. Just challenge them. Like, no one's going to raise an expectation you never set. Just say, hey, look, I want you to accomplish this. And say, hey, find a mentor. You, you amaze your kids will probably come back in two days with a mentor, maybe three of them, right? And then tell them, hey, find somebody to pour into. And they'll probably come back tomorrow with somebody to pour into. All because we're giving direction. We just don't think about this all the time, right? Man, ask your kid to serve on the dream team. I love when teenagers serve. Man, it's probably the most important thing you can do is to get out of yourself and make a difference in somebody else's life. It's so powerful. And so you have a teenager, man, get them on the dream team. Like we need so much help in so many areas and they have so much to offer. They're not the next generation leader. They are leaders today. There's so many people look up to them. Middle schoolers look at high schoolers. Elementary kids look up middle schoolers. I mean, it's so cool when you see that make a difference. Those are the connections that make a difference in your life. You know, they graduate middle school or high school and they leave our youth group. If they're not connected to the rest of the church, they're not gonna stay. Like they're called, they gotta serve. You gotta get them out and make a difference. You know, as, as a high school student, you can make a huge difference in your school. There's this cool thing called see at the pole. And every year it's kind of like this last minute thrown together thing. But you can start now, right before the school year starts, and you can come up with this vision, like I'm gonna get as many kids as possible, it's called donuts, okay, to the pole, all right? And I'll buy you as many donuts as you need to get all your kids out to that pole, and you can lead the whole day in prayer and show Jesus is real in your school as the buses pull up in the morning. We got so many people that can do that. Any school here in the, in, the, in the metro area, we can do that. We've done that before. But you can make a big difference in your school. I'll just challenge you to do that. That's the expectation that God's going to do something great inside this generation. I mean, there's more in this generation than we think. I know it's there. I believe it's there. I'm a living example of that being there. You guys can do it. We believe in you. So what happens to church if we poured in the next generation like that? What would happen if we raised the expectation? What would happen if we expected more? We had a bigger vision. We just said, hey, look, we're going to hand it off. When are we going to make that pass? You know when you're running track, you to hand off that torch, you know? Like, that's going to happen sometime, right? I think we just need to give it away and say, hey, come on, let's come on with me. Follow me as a follow of Christ. I'm going to pour in your life. I'm going to be a, be a Paul, and you go find a Timothy. Let's go do this together. So we've got to impart spiritual life. We've got to find spiritual voices. We've got to raise the vision. But we absolutely, if we're going to impart spiritual life to our kids and to those around us, man, we got to keep it real. we got to keep it real. Look how we follow Jesus. This is a great illustration of how you impart spiritual life onto your kids and onto other people. It says in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Impress them on your children. It's talking about the commandments. All your soul, all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Impress these commandments on your children. How do you do that? It, says, it looks like it says, it says, Talk about them when you sit at home. That was deep, wasn't it? Talk about them when you sit at home. Like the very first, they just talk about it. 
just a normal part of your day. Like, I'm just gonna talk about it. I'm just gonna bring it up as we're hanging out. Like, hey, man, what do you think about God? Or what can I pray for? Or like, what are you struggling with? What, what do people think about Jesus at your school? Like, we're just gonna talk about it. And when you walk down the road, you know, when you drive your kid to school in the morning, Diane used to do this so well. She would take the kids to school in the morning, stuff like that. And she always used that time as a kind of a spiritual time. Like, how are you doing spiritually? Like, how's life going? Like, anything you're struggling with? And I mean, it's just a spiritual moment as you're driving to school. Like, anything you do, taking the kids to soccer practice, some, do something spiritual. You leave church today. Hey, what did God say to you at church? Huh? Oh, you keep asking. They'll get, they're going to give you something eventually, right? I know how it works. But like when you lay down at night, give a little diva. We do this thing with baby Jack. Like, he's not baby Jack anymore. What do we call him? I don't know what we call him yet, but still baby Jack to me. But, but we lay down at night. We get the little phone out. We get on version and we play the little Life Church has these little app things. I'm, what are you know talking about? I'm getting a lot of yes out here. But we played the videos and it's like the spunkiest, coolest thing and Jack's pushing buttons and you know things are blowing up and the Red Sea's partying and what other stuff, right? And Jack, we just do it every night. It's just a part of his routine. It's just something we do when you get up in the morning. It says, you, you follow Jesus. I mean, so really, it's, it's, it's not like your, your life is just adding on Jesus. It's just Jesus is a part of who you are. Jesus is your life. Like just following Jesus is who you are. It's a part of what you do. It's just not an add-on. I know some of you are gonna push back and say, man, I just wanna force this down my kid's throat. Like, I don't wanna be that guy, like makes them do it. And I would encourage you that when you make the rules and you have a bunch of hypocrisy, because we're all gonna have hypocrisy, right? Like, I'm gonna fail every day, I fail every day. But you don't make it about the rules. It's all about the relationship. It's all about following me as I follow Christ. This isn't about telling you how to live your life. Like, just follow me. Like, follow me as I do this. Like, I'll make a mistake. And what you crave, they will crave. You will grow what you plant, I promise you. But they, this generation, man, they can smell a fake. You know what I mean? It's like a fake detector, you know? Like, like who faked? Who faked? You take that. You can, don't put that on an Instagram quote or something, but who faked? Man, they want to see authenticity. They want to be real. Like, they want to see your struggle. They want to see you're upset. They want to say, man, I'm just struggling with this. I'm, just, I'm man, God, I can't, can't get, quite get past this. You know, God did this today. It's like, oh, really? But they're going to follow that. They're going to have the same passion. They're going to pursue the same heart. You know, I'll say this, man. So many times we have a, what I call China faith. You ever remember the China wear? I knew we were going to grandma's house and had the China cabinet. I don't know, you might have one. Maybe you're not a grandma. I don't know. I offended somebody. But you got a China hut, right? You got all the nice China in there. And all I know is it's like really nice. It's super expensive. It's valuable. And we never use it. Like it never leaves because like that's why I don't have nice things because of me, right? Like all us kids. So they stay in the China hutch. And I think so many times for us, our walk with Jesus is just like this China hutch. Like, we just don't use it. It's just not part of our day-to-day -day life, but your kids need to see it. Like, you need to get out the fine china. You need to get out Jesus and bring him into your home. You need to get him out and just make it a part of your daily life. Make it a part of your conversation. Force yourself to change. I look at my picture like my family, and I'm like, man, what am I going to do differently? What am I going to do differently to live this out in my life? I believe this. I believe if you want your kid to read your Bible, you got to catch you reading the Bible. Amen. If you want your kids to pray, have them catch you praying. Pray before your meals. Pray as you go to car, go to car to school. Pray at certain times. Like, show them what prayer is all about. Show them the power of prayer. You want, you want to make church a priority? Like, sacrifice something to go to church. Give me something random. Like, hey, you know what? We're not going to get pizza till after church. Well, pizza doesn't open till after church anyway, but you can fake your kids out, you know? Like, just fake them out for Jesus. Like, let them know church is important. Try to be here. If you can be here, go for it. They don't know. Share your faith. You want your kids to share your faith? Share your faith. I talked to some ladies uh, just a few weeks back. Said, you know, my grandma did this. And, and then I saw the grandma. And she goes, well, my grandma did this. And it's like, holy smokes. Like, you guys have been passing this down for like five generations. And you're so proud of it. And you're proud of it. And you're proud of it. It's just who they are. You just got to catch them. You got to be, be different, I guess. You got to be different. So it's incredible how much the next generation is watching. I'll kind of leave you this illustration. But my family, um, you got the picture up here next. But we, we pray before we eat a meal. 
And so baby Jack, he's 20 months old, you know? So I'm like, how much is he really picking up, right? So we, we put our arms out and like he puts his arms out, which is like the cutest thing ever, right? And so we all hold hands, I hold his little hand, he's looking around like big old eyed, you know? And we pray. And he kind of puts his head down and looks around, see what's going on. It's just like the cutest thing ever. Well, last week, you know, I, we just didn't do it. Like we're, we're getting ready to eat. We jumped in and started eating. And here's little baby Jack. This little guy here, 20 months old. That little dude. And he stops and he puts his arms out. Oh, so basically I'm just getting led by a 20 month year old <laughs> as a pastor of a church to follow Jesus. I'm just here to tell you that your kids in this next generation is watching and learning more than you think. They're ready to pick up on what you're putting down. They're ready to follow the God that you follow if you just lead them to follow Jesus. Man, I believe God has something great for this generation. Man, there's something more inside of them. You can do this, man. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you because we're not called to produce well-balanced, well-educated, happy kids. We're not gonna settle at the altar of materialism because if you want your kids to have bigger, nicer things than you, man, we're basically sacrificing our kids at that altar, aren't we? We're not going to settle for that. We're not going to insult them that way. We're going to believe in them. We're going to help them. We're going to enlist them with supporting voices around them. We're going to raise the vision expectation. We're going to believe that God has put greatness inside their heart. We're going to help them find that, and we're going to keep it real, amen? We're going to keep it real. We're going to be authentic as we lead, and God has called us to unleash single-minded, Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers, man. I believe in you. Remember that God has given you everything you need to do everything he's called you to do today to help impart spiritual life in the next generation. Father, we come before you. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you for spiritual life. God, thank you for sending Jesus down across for our sins. God, I pray that you would empower us, embolden us. God, to be a generation that doesn't leave the next generation in the dark. God, help us to put the next generation on our shoulders so we go further, farther, and faster than we did, God. As we continue to pray today, there are those of you that may recognize that God's speaking to you, like, I need to impart spiritual life into my own kids. I need to be a generation leader for this next generation. Maybe it's my grandkids. Maybe it's the kids of the church. Maybe it's just the next generation in the whole. But you recognize that you are called to do this, but you just haven't been doing it. This hasn't been your story. And our culture has really kept us busy away from that calling. They've really put a lot of things in our life to stop us from pursuing the things of God. But today, you want to follow that calling. So all around this room, you say, yes, God, empower me to impart spiritual life to the next generation. Will you just lift your hands right now? God, use me to tell of your power and might to other, other people in the next generation. I see your hands up all around this room. I'm just going to pray for you. God, we come before you. God, give us strength. God, as we want to lead this next generation well, God, I pray you prolong our days. Don't let us leave this earth while helping our own kids and our grandkids and our other kids and around us, God, the next generation to follow you strongly. God, help us to fall more in love with you every single day, God. We'll be found faithful to you, God. I pray that our last lap will be the fastest lap. God, I pray we wouldn't slow down. Help us to find somebody to pace our life. God, help us to be united together. God, give us eyes to see the great vision you have for the generation behind us. God, help us to be authentic. Help us to be real. Help us to be encouraging as we lead. God, help us as parents to walk daily with you, God, and to invite our kids along that journey with us, God. I pray that we'd see story after story after story of lives being changed through us imparting spiritual life in the next generation. As we continue to pray today, maybe you're looking around and you're thinking, hey, um, you know, I don't really know about this, God. I'm really aware today that my faith isn't real. Like, I hear you, but I'm not that guy. Like, I don't live out anything spiritual. I'm that dude in the picture. I'm like the first and second generation, and I'm just maybe on the edge of being a third generation, but I really don't know much about this faith. I also want to encourage you, maybe you grew up 
not knowing God, maybe you knew about God, maybe you're considering making God, God the center of your life, I just wanna encourage you that you're here for this very reason to know Jesus. And it's time for you to get your life right today, to put God in the center of your life. You can have full confidence in this place if you trust in Jesus that every sin you ever had is ever committed will be forgiven, that God loves you. And he gave you his perfect son, sinless son, Jesus, to die on a cross for your sin. There are those you right now by your very nature are separated from God because of your sin, but Jesus, who's out sin, he gave his life in your place so you could live. Some of you today need to give your life away. Some of you need to change your life so you can change the next generation's life. Some of you need to be a spiritual example. Maybe it's been your entire life. Maybe you're a grandpa, maybe you're a grandmother, maybe you spent your entire life away from God, but today you would make the decision, I wanna change the next generation of my family. I wanna be a world changer. I'm gonna change my world first, the people that God's put around me. And so today you wanna accept Jesus so you can model the next generation, his power and his might to those around you. You know, you call on Jesus, forgives your sins, he gives the Holy Spirit. And today you can make that decision so you can follow him. You can say yes to Jesus. So around this room, if you'd say, hey, I need Jesus. I'm gonna put my confidence in him. I'm gonna put my trust in him. I'm gonna surrender him today. If that's your prayer, we just raise your hand without anybody looking around and say, hey, I need Jesus today. I see a hand that's so awesome. That's really encouraging. Give it up. That's so cool, man. Give it up. That's awesome. I need to be a generation changer. I see another hand. That's so awesome. Man, God just moving. It's so incredible. Man, we have an opportunity in front of us to change the world and it starts with you. And so let's ask you to pray this prayer after me. Say, Father, Heavenly Father, forgive me my sins. God, make me new. I want to follow you. God, thank you for life. God, thank you for Jesus who died across my sins. God, pray, pray you make me new from the inside out. Help me to be a world changer. Help me be the person you called me to be. God, thank you for your spirit and thank you for your son. And I ask that I just follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.